All right. You have a good week? Hopefully it's been good, and hopefully today is, is uh, good as well. You have some plans. Um, I'm, uh, you know, kind of been out of the routine and trying to get back into the routine and uh, preaching. Uh, you know, it's only been a couple weeks, but all of my throat's all kind of all, like, scratchy, all that. So uh, I'm getting back in that habit. But habits is what we're talking about today. All right, habits. We all have them. Some good habits, some bad habits. Habits are behaviors, things that we do uh, regularly, that we repeat them. Uh, sometimes we repeat them, you know, throughout the day or their daily habits, that kind of stuff. Oftentimes they're subconscious, all right? And so you have them. We have uh, habits through all areas of our lives. One of the habits is our hygiene, all right? Our hygiene habits, right? What do you do each day, all right? Probably good, probably most of you have some good habits. I'm hoping for that. Uh, you know, uh, wash, brush, floss, flush, you know, if you got those those, those habits, you know, down, that you're on, a, you're on the good track. You, you got some good habits going. But some of you, you know, got some bad habits in those areas. But all of those are habits, right? We have financial habits. Like, uh, what do you look at? Some of you check your stocks, you know, throughout the day. You have a habit of checking stocks or maybe looking in your, your Wells Fargo account. Like, how, how much money do I really have today? You might have uh, habits there. You have some food habits, right? You Coffee is the first thing in the morning or your, you know, whatever you, your yogurt parfait or whatever you make for yourselves, eggs and avocado toast. Um, we have, you tend to have some different food habits. We uh, have social habits, right? Uh, who we call, you know, some of you talk to somebody every day, you have a habit of that. You have, um, uh, you know, looking at your, your social media, the scrolling, uh, looking at news, things like that. We have habits with that, games that you play, um, all kinds of habits. You have some physical habits, um, you know, running or yoga or lifting weights or, or not doing any of that, right? Uh, some of these habits, they just kind of happen, they happen naturally. Some of the times we have to will them into action. So there are all kinds of habits. But what I'm asking today is, what are your spiritual habits? What do you do spiritually each day? Uh, when we think about spiritual habits, some things might come to mind. Reading the Bible is one of them, right? Maybe we have a habit of reading the Bible. I hope you do. Uh, in January, I encouraged our church saying, hey, if you haven't been reading through the Bible, um, let's build that habit. Let's do that. And so we started early in the year, and right now we're in Numbers 18, I believe. At least that's where I'm at. Uh, am I good? Are we good? Um, so close enough. Um, so uh, we are, we've been doing that as a, as a, as a church. Um, some of you have your own reading plans. That's fine. You don't have to do ours. We're just trying to say, if you don't have a habit of reading the Bible, we'd like to encourage that. So, and if you haven't done that yet, it's, it's June. We're still good. You can, we're doing this over three years, so you're still in the first part of it. Uh, we'd encourage you to jump on, uh, on our website. You can find all the, the information on the road to Emmaus and uh, join us for that. But that's, that's a spiritual habit. Uh, prayer is certainly a, a spiritual habit um, that we, we want our people to um, gather and, and gain. So uh, prayer, you know, in the morning or at night, um, uh, throughout the day, building this habit of communicating with God. That's a habit we want. And another habit is about um, memorization. Memorizing God's Word, right? 
Um, that's something that I, I've, I've been okay at. I'm not a great Bible memory. In fact, I'm not really, my memory is, is kind of shot. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about like when you're a kid, when, or what, okay, I'll put it this way. When I was a kid, when some of you were kids, like we memorized a lot of stuff, right? Um, phone numbers, like a home phone number. You had to memorize mom and dad's work phone number. You had to memorize your friend's phone numbers because you had to like input it, right? Whether this or or for some of you going back to that, right? Um, you memorize those kinds of things. You memorize directions, uh, where to go. You, you memorize street names, right? We don't have to do that stuff anymore. You don't have to memorize phone numbers. You don't have to have your kids' phone numbers memorized. You just know where to find them on your phone. Uh, you don't have to memorize street names because you just follow your GPS. You turn when it tells you to. The thing that you do need to memorize uh, is usernames and passwords, which is, takes all amount of energy that I have uh, to keep those things straight. Um, I don't have a lot of extra space to memorize things, but we as a church this month has just picked out four passages that we want to memorize, that, that we want, that we think would be good for us to have in our memory banks so that at any one time we can recall these things and encourage us in our faith. And so, uh, we've been doing that for the last couple weeks. Um, listen, I'm not a, a word-perfect kind of person, and that's not, I'm, I'm not expecting that from any of you, but I want us to get the, the concepts, right? And to get as much of it as we can so that we can recall these things and, um, and, and just encourage us as we move through our lives. And so the first week, we looked at Ephesians 2, right? 8 through 10, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, right? Uh, not of works so that no one can boast, um, we talked about how we've been saved, right? And then uh, the next part of that is that we have been cre- we are God's workmanship. We're created for good works that we should walk with them. And so what we wanted to help us understand is that we are saved not by our works. We're saved by God's grace. It's a gift. He's poured it on us. He's called us and he's brought us into his family. But because of that, we want to respond. We want to respond in good works that we would walk in them. He's prepared these good works for us. And so we got to live by that. And so we're encouraging you to memorize those things so we remember how we're saved and how we are to live. Uh, last week, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, 22 through 25, right? And um, this is where it trips me up because I've memorized it in different versions over the years. And then this one, it's used forbearance. Like, I don't remember forbearance. Uh, I, I always learn patience. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? You got it? Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I get them all? I always feel like I forget uh, one in there. Um, but those who are in Christ, we've crucified the flesh, right? The desires and passions. We've crucified that. Earlier in this passage, he talks about the fruit of the flesh, and, and that is not what we're living by. And now we're in the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit growing in us, right? And we, because we're in the Spirit, now we walk in the Spirit. And so for that, for me, that's what comes in my mind. Like, I'm in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to walk with Christ. I want to abide with Him. I want to sit with Him. I'm part of Him. And so I want to crave Him. I want to crave the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, and all of the different fruit. So for us as a church, we want to memorize those things. How we are to live in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. 
So today and this week, we're going to memorize another one. And this is from Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. It talks about rejoicing. It talks about gentleness. It talks about anxiety. It talks about peace. All right? So let's read this together, shall we? I think it's on the screen, if you can see that. Um, some of you can't, but um, that's all right. But nevertheless, this is what we want to put into our daily habits and our, our memorization. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That would be the passage I want us to consider and to memorize this week, because this these are important verses on how we are to live, how we are to live each and every day. And so these are the uh, habits, as we talk about just in big picture, memorizing Scripture. But in detail, these verses right here give us the habits that we need to cultivate in our lives each and every day as we follow Christ. These are not just uh, one-time commands, you know, one-time rejoice, one-time pray, one-time give him our anxieties, and one-time he gives us peace. These are daily and through multiple times through the day habits that we are to cultivate and put into our lives as we follow Christ. So today, with joy, we're told to do a few things. Rejoice, be gentle, give our anxious thoughts to the Lord through prayer, and receive God's peace. That's what we'll talk about today. So what I want us to hear, what I want us to take away is let the daily habits of praise and rejoicing, let those fill our hearts as we become gentle people, as prayer replaces anxiety, and as we are filled with peace. Right? And otherwise, uh, to say it is we want you, as followers of Jesus, of lovers of him, to be filled with peace. We won't, don't want you to be all anxious, rude people. We want you to be filled with peace. And how do you do that? You do that through rejoicing, by striving to be a gentle person and giving these anxious thoughts to the Lord in prayer. And as you do that, he fills us with peace. So let's, let's look at this passage. I'll walk through the, the different verses. And let's see what God has for you, right? The first thing he says is in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice, exclamation point. Right? This is a, a, an Old Testament or a new, uh, an older way, New Testament, but an older way to kind of highlight and underline. We're saying it a couple times. All right, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your natural way, your outlook, if you're, if you're a positive person or a negative, if you're introverted, extroverted, or whatever, it doesn't matter. As we pursue Christ, we need to let our, 
our hearts and our minds and our voices and our bodies rejoice daily, always, all the time. We are to be people that rejoice. How can Paul say this? Why does Paul say this? I mean, Paul, remember, we won't go deep into this, this whole passage of, uh, or this book of Philippians, but Paul's writing from jail. And day by day as he's in jail, his perspective of being a free man looks worse and worse. Yet he's able to say, always, in every situation, I'm rejoicing. I'm praising the Lord. And he talks about it a little bit later about even, you know, some of the soldiers, the guards, and people in Caesar's household have come to know Christ. So there is reason to rejoice. But what about the Philippians, the church? It is a church that's struggling uh, partly internally as just dynamics. Can you imagine dynamics in a church causing stress? causing friction, you know, people wanting to promote themselves and have a certain position or influence. So there's a little bit of that. But there's also this external pressure. Philippi is a a city that uh, there's a lot of soldiers. It's like a military city. Think of like Oceanside or uh, San Clemente, right? They're right on both sides of Camp Pendleton. Lots of Marines come there. They live there. They hang out there. A lot of Marines that will retire there. They spent time at Pendleton, so they retire in San Clemente or Oceanside. There's, uh, you know, the $6 military haircut, the military discounts. There's the flags of the Marines. Uh, It's that kind of a thing in Philippi, but even... Uh, you know, tenfold. There's lots of soldiers there. There's a lot of retired soldiers. This is a city that's far from Rome, but it prided itself on being aligned with Rome. I mean, to the hilt. What they, they were completely loyal to the emperor in Rome, and they demanded that 100% of the citizens, 100% of the people living there, would be devoted in the same way to the emperor. And they took it so far as they worshipped him. So you can see the conflict as Paul enters into the city. He goes and looks for the synagogue. There is no synagogue. What do you mean there's no synagogue? This is a big city. How can there not be a synagogue? But that wasn't on the radar. But he did find some Jews who were worshiping at the river, and he shared the gospel. They came to Christ. Lydia was one of them. The church starts. It grows. But now they're being forced to make a decision. Would they worship the emperor? Or would they worship Jesus? And if you're worshiping Jesus, you can't, you know, you can't like worship Jesus and then worship the emperor. It is, it's worship Jesus. You can still honor the emperor, but worshiping Jesus. And so there was this growing conflict, this growing persecution, this growing pressure in the city for the Christians to make a decision. Would they follow Christ and and face the persecution or would they reject Christ and follow the culture of the day? And in that context, Paul says, here's what you guys got to do. You got to rejoice always. You've got to be marked with joy. You got to be marked with praise. That's got to be on your lips. That's got to be coming in your homes, in your life, in the church. It's got to be filling you up with who you are. Everything comes back to rejoicing and praising God. That's going to be of utmost importance. I need you to be glad people, delighted people, rejoicing people. We don't need you to be rude or grumpy or uh, sidetracked or anything like that. Be devoted in your praise, in your worship to God, and let him work that into joy into your life. He says that because it's hard to do. It is hard because it's, it's very hard to be 
full of joy all the time, always. It's very easy to be negative, right? It's very easy to be negative. Uh, life just works that way, all right? When we wake up in the morning, some of you wake up one of two ways. Uh, you wake up with your alarm, and your first uh, instinct is like, oh, I want to wake up, right? And it's, so it already starts negative. You're always, oh, I don't want to do that. Others of you, you wake up before your alarm, and you're, you wake up because, like, oh, how am I going to handle this? I have to, I have to worry about this. I get stressed about who's going to get the kids here and, uh, you know, this report and all uh, finances. And you, you work up just stressed and worried. And so it's easy to be negative. And then culture just throws on all the other stuff, all the other things to complain about. But Paul and Jesus, as Christians, he's like, that's, that's not how we are to be. We're not to be people who are, are always negative and who are worried, but instead rejoice. When Jesus talks about this a few times in, in Matthew and, in, and through the Gospels, right? He says in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 25, it's a whole long passage. You'll remember it when I say this. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. He talks about the flowers, how God takes care of all those things. But then what does he say in verse 33? He says, don't worry about those things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries. It'll take care of itself. But you seek first the kingdom of God. He talks later in Matthew 13. Remember, that's a parable of the farmer who's just like throwing seeds all around. This is like crazy farmer. He has so many seeds, he just throws them. Some of them fall into the, into the soil, the good, you know, where they're supposed to fall. But some fall into the weeds, some fall into the rocks, some fall on the road. Remember what he says about the ones that fall into the weeds. He says, those grow, and at the beginning they look just like uh, the seeds that grew in the good soil. Right? They looked exactly the same. But he says the seed falling among the, the thorns or the weeds refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke out the word, making it unfruitful. He says the, this world has so many things going on. And if you're not careful, you're going to get so sidetracked with the things of the world, the things, the, the negative things, and the things that you got to worry about, the deceitfulness, and, and all of that, that this is going to sidetrack you, and it's going to drain you, and it's going to take you away from the Lord. It's going to take you away from the Lord. It says we ought to be diligent to be men and women who are careful with where our hearts and where our minds go. Let us rejoice always. Let us keep our mind and our heart on the Lord and to worship Him and let that fruit grow. We are the Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit. So this is, this is tough because, you know, this is for every day. All right, not just Fridays or Saturdays. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. I don't have to work. This is for Mondays. This is for Tuesdays, Wednesdays, every day. A day to always rejoice, to bring praise to him. So he starts there. He says, here's the first habit. Build praise, worship, rejoice. Build that into your life. When you wake up, when your first thought that comes up, train yourself to bring praise to the Lord. Think about him and worship him. 
So he first talks about a habit there, but then he talks, it almost is kind of rough and weird. I'm like, sometimes I've read this, I'm like, why is this verse even here? But this next verse, it's striving to have a gentle demeanor. Striving to have this, this gentle demeanor with each other. So the first one's related to God, rejoicing Him. But the second verse, verse 5, is how we relate to each other. Verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. What does that mean? He just talks about how we are to rejoice. Build the habit of rejoicing. But now we build this uh, one of the, it's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, right? Letting gentleness guide the relationships that we have with each other in your home, in the church, but wherever you go, be a person who's gentle. Whether it's this uh, idea of gentle, it's, it's, um, it's having compassion, it's having consideration for others. And uh, I'm sure I don't have to explain this to you, but some of the, the things that stress us out or frustrate us the most are people, right? Uh, maybe even people we know and love. And this whole idea of gentleness and just this, this mindset of understanding that people are not perfect. People are not there yet. Neither are you and neither am I. We're all in progress, right? It's having this mindset knowing that, hey, they're doing the best they can with where they're at, with how they're doing right now, they're doing the best they can. I'm going to be gentle with them. I'm going to be considerate of them. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know their whole story. So rather than being judgmental, rather than judging or anything like that, we're going to be considerate. We're going to be gentle with them. Uh, this is kind of came into, I wish I had this verse before our vacation. <laughs> Because we spent a lot of vacation in a one-room uh, one apartment or, you know, hotel, uh, hotel room. Um, you know, we had a couple times where we had suites, you know, our the own bedrooms. But for uh, many nights, we were all in one room. And, you know, yeah, you can't have four people sleeping in one room and everybody do what they want. Right? You kind of have to all, like, fall into a rhythm, when you're in a hotel like that, like you kind of all have to go to bed at the same time, you know, unless you can sleep with the lights on and the TV and people walking around. Uh, I can't. And so we, we try to, you know, like, let's all go to bed. Here's the thing. Four people don't all go to the bed at the same time. Okay, so there's that aspect. The other thing is when you wake up in the morning, once one person's up, everybody's up, right? Open the curtains or make some noise and everybody's up. And then that's weird. And throughout the night, you got the bathroom breaks. You got the snoring. You got the talking in your sleep. You got the other sounds. You got all these things that wake you up. And there's so many opportunities to get frustrated. Get mad at each other. So this is a, a great verse I should have memorized beforehand. Let your gentleness be evident to all. At 11.30, at 5.20 to practice those things. But it's true. I mean, we, we're all in progress. We're all growing. And so building that habit of just being a gentle person. Why? He says, because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. What, what does that mean? Um, like the Lord is coming? Like he's, he's almost here, so I better be gentle? Uh, not so much. More of like, he's here. It's a place. A location. God is here. Not that he's like behind you, like checking up on you. You better be nice or else. Not that kind of like presence, but 
He's just here. Paul had already spoken very clearly of Christ's attitude. In chapter 2, he says, your attitude should be that of Christ. And what was Christ's attitude? Like, he didn't come here to be served. All right, he didn't come here as like a king and all of that kind of... He came as a servant to serve you. He goes on using great language to talk about this attitude that Jesus has. Even to the point where as he's on the cross, as people are nailing nails into his hands, as they're cursing him, he was still gentle with him. He was humble with them. It's this whole idea of, yeah, it's hard to be gentle with some people. But Christ did it. And he is near. He is here with you. It's kind of a hard concept because a lot of times we talk about, hey, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. His, hang on. He's going to be here soon. Well, the day of the Lord is coming true. But he is here right now. He is with us. And for some of us, that's hard. We would almost prefer that he wasn't near. We almost don't like those last few words, the Lord is near. Because if the Lord's not near, then we can do what we want. We can act how we want, and there's no consequences. But the Lord is here, and he expects that his followers are people who rejoice always, that have this gentle demeanor as they relate to one another. So we're, we're getting through our passage you know, verse, verse 4, we're going to rejoice. Verse 5, we're gentle with all. Let it be evident to all. Verse 6, exchanging our anxiety with prayer. All right, look at verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, make your request to God. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. Um, this whole passage, is, there's so much here. Um, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Um, we are anxious people, all right? And he's not saying, like, you know, you shouldn't, you know, be stressed out by anything, because there's a lot of stuff that stress us out, right? We have finances can stress us out. Um, relationships um, can stress us out, whether in the home or in work, things like that. Uh, health, right now, such a, we're so stressed out, we're anxious about our own health and all those kinds of things. Um, social events, parties, they stress us out, right? Uh, how many of you are stressed out by small talk, you know? <laughs> Just going to that party and like, oh, I got to do all this small talk with people I don't know, that stresses us out. Um, uh, being in elevators, that stresses out people, like, oh, I got to talk to somebody. Uh, if it's not that, it's the using the public restroom, those things stress us out. Oh, so much anxiety, things I don't want to do. Um, dating, some of you are dating, or you, you want to date, or should date, or need to. That's whole stress, that's stressful. Keeping uh, or voicing your opinions can be stressful. All right, or for some of you, it's the opposite. It's keeping your opinions to yourself, right? Like, I have opinions, the world should know. Not always, not always. All kinds of things. Eating in front of people. I hear that's a high stress for a lot of people. There's so many things that, that cause us to worry, right? Whether the real serious financial and health things or these other things, using public restrooms and elevators, like whatever it is, there's, there's so many things that can fill us with stress. But what do we do with that? Right? We're to bring those things to the Lord. 
Bring our anxieties to the Lord. Now, let me just, I'm just going to pause here real quick and just say this. That um, when we talk about anxiety, like um, I'm talking about it here mostly kind of on the, just the real low level that we all have. But for some people, this is, it's a much bigger deal. Like anxiety is, is, is really um, hard. For whatever reason throughout life, you have lived with anxiety and it, it is very hard. And I would say um, uh, you might, if you haven't already, seek professional help, right? Just a great psychologist. We believe that all truth is God's truth, that um, psychologists can be very helpful, even medication. Um, God has, is behind all technology and created many great things, Right? Um, it's okay. It's not a lack of faith to go to see a psychologist. It's not a lack of faith to have uh, use medication to help in these areas. Some of you may need that. Some of you may, maybe it's not that, but you just need someone to talk with, um, to see Jesus in these, in these places. We have biblical counseling. We've got spiritual direction. We, we can help with that. We have people in our church that can help you uh, just kind of walk through life and see Jesus in these moments. So um, I, I just want to say that. Uh, I don't know where everybody's at, but um, for some of you, it's, it's, a, it's a real strong thing, and it's, a, it's something that's really, um, that you really deal with. And so um, I want to just recommend, if you need to talk to somebody, myself or others, we, we'll, we'll get you set up in the right direction. But what I'm talking about here mostly is just these, these normal things, these worries, anxieties that we all have each and every day. And, and Paul tells us what to do with it. All right, the first thing, he has just kind of a prohibition. He says it straight out. He says, don't worry about it. Just don't worry. All right? Then he has a command. He says, talk to the God. Give God your requests. All right? Bring them to the Lord. He uses this word prayer like in four different ways. Kind of prayer in general. He uses a petition. He uses with thanksgiving. This word requests. He's just kind of saying that this is essential how we deal with it. It's going to be dealt with prayer. Sure, breathing and taking a time out are good, but as followers of Christ, we bring these to the Lord in prayer. That's our command. He gives us instructions. He says in everything, in all situations, by prayer and petitions, with thanksgiving, that's how we're to do it. And he gives a promise. He says the peace of God will be with you. So, when we have these anxious thoughts, what do we do with them? We bring them to the Lord. All right, we bring them to Him. We just—it's not like it's not like a calendar. Like when you wake up in the morning and it says, "Here's all the things that are going to stress you out today." Like these things just come throughout the day, right? They just roll throughout the day. You might wake up in the morning and be to- totally fine, but by 9.45, you've got 10 things that you're worried about. Or maybe you get through the whole day, but that night, these things pop into your mind. Bringing these things to the Lord throughout the day is going to be essential for you. I used to think about, like, when I think about the real spiritual people, you know, like, ah, oh, that person's so godly. I, in my mind, I don't know if it was true, it probably wasn't true, but in my mind, I envisioned them this way, that they'd wake up in the morning, and then they would get on their knees, and they'd spend, I don't know, 5, 10, 30, 60 minutes in prayer, you know, and they'd pray through their day, and then they would get up, and they would go, and just go out through the day, and, you know, pray at meals, you know, pray at bedtime, and that kind of thing, and, and that's, that's good, and some of you have that habit, and I would encourage you, we need to take extended time in prayer throughout the day. It doesn't have to be first thing. It could be whenever it fits in your schedule. But 
That's important. But what I've learned is that those people that I thought about that were spiritual, they've also created this way of praying throughout the day, of just bringing these things to the Lord. I'm not talking about eyes closed, head bowed, hands folded kind of prayers. I'm talking about while you're driving kind of prayers. I'm talking about while you're in a conversation and you're like, oh, this, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Lord, help me. Help me um, think this through. Um, give me wise words. It's um, in a meeting, while you're in a meeting, I'm just feeling overwhelmed and say, Lord, please, just take this. Be with me. Just guide me. Give me wisdom, whatever I need. Um, when people come to mind, Lord, oh, Lord, I haven't thought about that person in a long time. I don't know why you brought them into my mind, but Lord, be with them. Uh, with your kids, praying for your kids and their, their spiritual well-being and their spiritual health throughout the day. I was just talking to a friend yesterday, and, and uh, they were saying that, you know, my husband and I, we used to pray for our kids every night, you know, for their spiritual life. He says, but now I pray for them, like, all day long. I'm like, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's certainly pray at night. That's great. But this concept of praying throughout the day for the things that God brings to our hearts, that he puts on our hearts, lets us be quick to bring these things to the Lord through prayer, petition, asking what we need. Being specific. Saying, oh, I'm about to go to this party. I'm pretty sure my, my ex-girlfriend or boyfriend is going to be there. Like, I don't know what to say. This is awkward. Lord, would you work this thing out? Help me out. Or you're sitting at your desk and you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't know what to say or um, what you need to do and you're just feeling overwhelmed and just, Lord, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Help me just take a breather. Let me get perspective. Let me write these things down or prioritize whatever. Lord, just, just let me not be overwhelmed with these things. Asking what we need. And then he says, with thanksgiving. Do, do it with thanksgiving. Not like, um, you know, it's not just enough to say like, oh, life sucks, Lord, please fix it. But like, like Lord, I, <laughs> there's so many different ways you could be thankful. He doesn't even tell us how. He just says, just be thankful. Thankful, Lord, that you hear my prayer. Thankful that you are not so busy. I know you're running the world. I know you're running the galaxy, the universe. But you still have time for me to hear this silly little prayer? It's not silly to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for knowing my name. Thank you for hearing my voice, for listening. Thank you that I'm saved by, by you. Thank you that I, I have this privilege of being able to come to you. Thank you that these things in life, while they challenge me, I'm sure you're going to use it to make me more like Christ. So I'm thankful for these. Whatever it is, taking that time just to bring these requests, but to be all thankful that our God hears us and he knows us and he can work these things out in our lives. So it's not that we, um, we're not a good Christian if we ever worry. It's what we do with it. And when we have these worries, when we have these anxieties, we bring them to the Lord. We bring in prayer. We pause. We stop for several minutes or just real short. But bringing these things to the Lord, letting him enter into our lives, taking these things and um, unloading them. Now, the easy thing is to, to give them to the Lord. The hard thing is to let go of them. Isn't it? The hard thing is to let go and say, I'm going to leave these things for you. I'm going to open up my hands for something else. And when you're able to do that, if you're able to do that, then the Lord is going to fill your hands with something else. And that's the last part. He's that he is going to fill 
your hands with his protection, with his peace. Look at verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're holding on to things, you can't pick up anything. Have you ever tried to pick up something when your hands are full? You know, you're like you're walking to the car with your coffee mug and your, all your stuff, and you're trying to get your keys in your pocket. You just, it's just, you can't do it right? Um, you can try, and I always do try, still to this day, but I always fail. But you got to let go of things in order to grab something else. And God wants to give you peace, but you got to let go of these other things. He says, I will pour my peace on you. The peace of God comes from the God of peace, and he's ready to give it to you. He says, it will transcend all understandings it's not this weird mystical thing it's just that people will be thrown by it all right our culture our community and we we get fear and we get anxiety we understand that what we don't get is that somebody when we see that person with all this too much peace (laughs) all right they're just too much peace in their life and we just say well they just don't care all right they're not committed all right they're just you know they're carefree kind of person But really, this is what he's saying. He's like, I want you to get rid of that anxiety, give it to me so that I can bless you with peace, so that I could fill your hearts and your minds with peace. Not to make it look like you don't care, but because you do care. And you do trust in a God who can take these things and work these things out, who can take your the stuff you stress about, work it out behind the scenes, and bless. He's a God who fills our hearts and our minds with peace. He says this word. He says, I'm guarding your hearts and minds with peace. We tend to see that and just uh, guarding. That's, that's fine. But um, I mean, I guess if you're really into basketball and you're a Golden State fan, you might think of guards like in basketball, you know, guarding the basketball or whatever. But here, remember, this is a military city. And so when they heard this, they're thinking military. And what I believe Paul is saying is that when you give these things to the Lord, God is going to pour his peace on you. He's going to guard your hearts and your minds like a fortress, like a, like a castle, right? This castle has good walls. It's good fortifications, right? It's well protected. But beyond that, it's got soldiers who are on patrol, who are walking around, who are, who are aware. The sentries are not asleep at their post, but they're awake. They're alert. They see what's going on. And because of all these things, the people inside the castle and the king himself are at peace. They can sleep well. They can rest because they're well guarded. In the same way, you are well guarded. You've got God who's protecting you, who's watching over you. And he's handling it. He's not worried. He's not stressed. God's not, uh, uh, you know, in, on his throne like, how am I going to do all this? I'm so stressed I can't sleep. He's got in perfect control. Our sovereign God is in perfect control. Perfect peace. He says, you're my child. You walk in that same peace. I'm guarding you. You can let these things go. Doesn't mean you don't care. Doesn't mean that you're not responsible. Doesn't mean you're passive. Doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that we're we're letting God work in this. And we're taking our direction from Him. We're including Him 
into the plans of our lives. So what's it look like for you tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning you wake up, whether it's through the buzzer or your own schedule that wakes you up, whatever it is, what I want you to do is first thing, come back to this. Memorize the scripture. Rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. First thing I'm going to do before I get anywhere else, I'm going to praise you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that you are sitting on your throne, that you're in control. Thank you that you brought me through the night. Thank you for the, the life that I have. Thank you that you're in control of my life. All right, let me be a gentle person. Create in me this heart of kindness and gentleness and compassion and consideration for others. Let whatever comes my way, whatever I'm stressed out about, on my schedule or just the, my kids or whatever it is, Lord, I bring them to you. I bring these requests to you. I'm thankful, thankful that you hear these things. Now I'm going to take a deep breath, Lord, and I'm going to try to go out in peace so I can be a peacemaker, so I can be a peacekeeper, so I can live the fruit of the Spirit. Let me walk in the Spirit. That's what I'm hoping for us as individuals, as a church. We talked about daily habits that you have every day that you do and what you eat, what you drink, and how you dress, all that kind of stuff. Um, what I'm concerned about is just our spiritual habits, that we'd be men and women, we'd be a church, a congregation that, is, um, that has healthy, godly habits built on God's word, built on praise, on joy, and on prayer. Without fathers, it's Father's Day. You have a lot to stress about, a lot you could stress about, right? Providing for your family, providing the home, and uh, all those things. Um, you might stress out about your kids, whether they're their terrible twos or the terrible 22s or <laughs> wherever they're at, whether they're living at home or they're out of home. Like, we have these things we worry about. Remember to bring these requests to the Lord. And remember that he's the one that guards our hearts, but he's also the one that changes hearts. He's the heart changer. We'll do whatever we can to cultivate an atmosphere of rejoicing. Let's create an atmosphere of praise in our home. Let's try to rid the negativity. Let's bring praise and worship into the home. Let's bring prayer into the home. But let's invite God to come in to change the hearts of not only us, but our children as well. He is the one who guards our hearts. He's the heart changer. Amen? Amen.